Michael, we just had an entire season focused on Web3 stories, and that was pretty fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say that was a lot of fun, honestly. Hopefully our listeners, too, they got to go behind the scenes of some interesting Web3 projects, learn about DAOs and NFTs. Yeah, I, I hope they had fun. I know I had fun. And of course, not just telling the stories, but even being a part of some of the stories, like <laughs> when I went to LA to the Cameo Mansion for an NFT party. Actually, two two parties well true that is true um i also <laughs> made my run with my buddy steve to acquire what became one of the biggest one of one sports nfts ever 1952 tops mickey mantle rookie card nft we did miss out but it was still a lot of fun reflecting back on all that happened yeah i mean look it was a fun season but now i don't know we're on to the next season eh, sort of and at the same time i think sort of not yeah we should probably clarify right yeah well instead of embarking on a brand new season focused on a single topic we wanted to go back to something that honestly we had a lot of fun doing and i think you know you the listeners they really enjoyed so um that's telling more product stories company stories um these journeys right so in a way continuing two of our most popular seasons product journeys and product failures and we'll just do brand new stories every week and we'll do this for how many episodes i don't know do we really need to limit ourselves no we definitely don't so fair enough we'll be telling these product stories for the foreseeable future right and, mm -hmm. and we might as well start right now well after the intro that we, we got to roll it <laughs> yeah that's true let's roll that intro welcome to rocketship.fm rocketship fm is produced in partnership with product collective we are your hosts michael saka and i'm mike belsito This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com 
forward slash rocketchipfm24, you'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. So more product stories. What do you have for us today? Well, I thought it'd be fitting to tell a story that we haven't told before and one that's especially hit a major milestone in the last year or so. It's the story of Bumble. Bumble. Yeah, the the female-centric dating app founded by Whitney Wolf Hurd, who just last year, I believe, became the youngest woman to ever bring a company to IPO when she took Bumble public at age 31. Yes, but let's not skip ahead all the way there quite yet. Let's Let's go back, like... All the way back. To 2014, that would be, when it was founded? Well, let's actually go back a couple years before that. Because before there was Bumble, there was Tinder, one of the pioneers of this generation's version of online dating. And Whitney Wolf Heard actually played a huge part in building Tinder. In 2012, at the age of just 22, Wolf Heard joined the early team at Tinder and became its VP of Marketing. In fact, it's been reported that Wolf Herd actually was the one who came up with the name Tinder. Here's Wolf Herd at the Elevate Tech Fest in 2018 talking about those early days at Tinder. So I, yes, I had just graduated college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was literally crashing at my mom's house. And all my friends were getting these amazing jobs. And, you know, my dad was calling me every day like, um, what's wrong with you? Where's your job? What are you going to do with your life? And I just didn't want to go into that path that everybody else was going into. They were taking, and there's nothing wrong with this, but, you know, banking jobs and so on and so forth. And so I met Sean one night at a dinner, and I basically told him I could do anything he tasked me with. So he said, I'm starting this app all about, um, you know, it Cardify. It was like consumer loyalty. So, well, that's not that interesting, but I'm sure there'll be something interesting if I just jump into tech. And I knew I wanted to go into technology because I had just come home from Asia and I had spent time in these orphanages. And I remembered I have no reach here. I'm just one person in one room. The only way to have reach in this planet is really this new onset of technology and this access. And so I took a, took a chance and got into this incubator. And once I was in there, the project that we were working on didn't take off. And so there was this little side project that had been built at a little weekend hackathon. And I said, you know what? I think this would work on my college campus. I'm almost positive the fraternity guys and the sorority girls would love this. And that little project was Tinder. But things took a pretty dramatic turn for Wolf Herd while at the company. Wolf Herd reported to Tinder's co-founder and CMO, Justin Mateen, and eventually a romantic relationship started, but then it ended. 
and it ended badly. Yeah, so badly that there was actually a sexual harassment lawsuit that was brought forward by Whitney against the company and its co-founders, alleging all sorts of sexist and misogynistic behavior. Wolf Herd would move on from Tinder, and the lawsuit was settled, with Tinder paying Wolf Herd in exchange for accepting a non-disclosure agreement so the two sides could just move on. But after that, Whitney felt like she just wasn't in a good place. Yeah, she she found herself being harassed online constantly, mainly by men who took it upon themselves to belittle Wolf Herd for, I don't know, who knows why. Um, really no good reason. But at that point in her life, Wolf Herd felt a little lost, honestly. And she knew that she was capable. She had ambitions to make a positive impact in the world. But the constant barrage of harassment online it wasn't helping her confidence. But it did sort of plant a seed in her mind. Is this for Bumble? Well, not really quite yet, anyway. Wolfherd actually wasn't thinking of a female-centric dating app at this point. She was actually thinking about a social network for women, one where only positivity would be welcomed. Maybe dating could eventually be a part of that, but that really wasn't on her mind at first. Her vision was much bigger. But then she got a phone call. From? From somebody that she met at a dinner party during her days at Tinder. Billionaire Andre Andreev, the founder of Badu, a dating app that has gotten huge in international markets. Here's Wolf Heard again from the Elevate Tech Fest. He reaches out to me and he's like, you know, I met him once at a dinner when I was at Tinder. And he said something like, oh, I've been watching your progression since that dinner several years ago. Um, can we talk? I think we should build a huge business together. And I was like, nope, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm a hermit. I don't leave my house. I don't want to communicate with anybody. I'm going to build this female platform, and I'm going to do it from this dark closet. And I'm never going to see another soul as long as I live. I was in a dark place. Okay, I got it. And so finally, my boyfriend at the time was like, are you kidding me? This guy is so impressive. He's done so much. Why wouldn't you not just hear what he wants to do? So I go to meet with him, and he's like, you're going to be my CMO. And I was like, no, I can't even leave my house right now. Um, and I don't want to be a CMO. I want to be, be a founder. I want to start my own business, and I want to do something that's going to you know, change the world. And he's like, well, you can change the world as my CMO. And I said, <laughs> not, not quite in the way I want to do it. And so basically, a lot of back and forth, I pitch him my idea of Merci. And he's like, that is amazing. This is what we're going to call our dating app. And I was like, are you, are you following? I don't, I'm not working yeah. in this dating world anymore. This place is scary for me. Um, and so anyway, lo and behold, he really got me to rethink the need for dating to be empowered, right? So if we were going to go and build the female internet and, and focus on socializing, let's go in and disrupt dating first. And then he promised me when we had a certain uh, number of users that I could expand into friend finding and networking. And so that's where we've kind of taken the, the, the app now and it's become a full-fledged social platform. So his proposal was, let's team up. Let's get the dating app I want launched, but with your vision. And then later on, you can expand to the rest of your vision for that social network. And that's how Bumble got its start. More on what happened next after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. 
So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. So before the break, we learned how Whitney Wolfe Heard at just 22 became an early founding executive at Tinder, but then left after being subject to sexual harassment, and she found herself at a personal low. But then, ultimately, she picked herself back up, teamed up with Andre and Dreve to eventually launch Bumble, a female-centric dating app that's meant to empower women. Actually, here's Wolf Heard explaining what Bumble is at the Atlantic's Washington Ideas Forum a few years back while in a discussion with the Atlantic's Derek Thompson. Bumble is an app for your phone and it shows you people nearby. We launched it with the original intention of romantic connections, but with a much bigger vision um, for connecting in all capacities. For a new user, you would open your phone, create a really easy profile, six photos, a short bio, um, and then you're immediately in swiping mode and you will see people in your area. You'll swipe right for yes, left for no, and when you have a mutual swipe right, it turns into a connection. And then where it gets really interesting is women have to make the first move. Right, and this is, re this is basically what sets your app apart from all of the other dating apps that are out there uh, that people in the audience may or may not be proficient in. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the uh, one of the major issues right now in social media is the abuse of women online. Uh, we've seen this on Twitter, we see it on Facebook. Uh, men typically attacking women, um, a lot of celebrity women in fact, and pushing them off of these social networks. How does the fact that the woman has to make the first move on Bumble address that? Right, so we launched with the intent of trying to um, really increase online accountability. So what we found, and as you've mentioned, when you can hide behind a username or a profile photo, people for some reason lose the kindness ability to you know, behave the way they should. And so we found that there's really this um, underlying fear of you know, rejection. And so when men are on these platforms, generally speaking, not everybody, um, there's this sense of I have to make the first move, I have to go hunting, I have to make sure that I go after her. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on, on the man. It also, you know, opens up a, a stream of bad behavior because if the woman doesn't respond, it's taken as rejection. Therefore, you get this, you know, harassment taking place. So when the woman is the one making the first move, he's complimented, he feels flattered on the other end versus um, in this, you know, uh, this state of how do I how do I get her to respond? So again, women centric. Yes, it's obviously for both men and women, but it's the woman that would make the decision on whether the two people should chat, whether they should take that next step. This is a big distinction from at least at the time, any other dating app, honestly. Yeah, and so Bumble got its start. Initially, the marketing for Bumble was done in a place that Wolf Heard knew really well. As a 24-year-old that is not that many years out of college, she and her team started going back to college from campus to campus, initially all throughout Texas. Wolf Heard would promote Bumble using all sorts of ways. Free yellow hanky-panky underwear for sorority girls, free beer for fraternity guys, 
this was her way in. But once these college students started using Bumble, they liked it, and it started to take off. Back at the office, well, all right, let's be honest. There, there wasn't an office at first, but Wolf Heard worked mostly out of her parents' spare bedroom until finally they did get an apartment to work out of. But anyway, the vibe was it's kind of like a sorority, I guess. There, there were a few young women like Wolf Heard on the team initially. It was a female empowering app run by empowered females. As Bumble was growing, though, Wolf Heard stuck to her original vision that Bumble wasn't just a dating app. It was a lifestyle brand, and it could be extended to things other than just dating. Bumble launched things like Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz so that people could use the platform to find their new squad or even network professionally. Here's Wolf Hurd at TechCrunch Disrupt 2018 talking about some of these new features. We really try to always look at our user base. What are our users doing here? What, what do they want out of this experience? And something really interesting started happening very early on in the product, actually, almost day one, we saw women hacking the product to use it uh, to seek other social connections. And it was because they were protected behind this wall where they were in control. They were in their driver's seat. They were not getting inundated by strangers or by conversations or communications. Therefore, they could really shape what they were looking for from the experience. And so when we saw hundreds of thousands of profiles indicating newly married or in a relationship, husband or boyfriend just got a job in Chicago, I know no one here, I need a friend to go do yoga, or I want somebody to start a company with. We started paying attention to this in a real way, and we said, you know what, this is our moment. It's early enough. Our brand identity is not, you know, cemented yet. Let's take this to the next level, and let's evolve and give our users what they're looking for, and let's be the premier product to connect you to people you don't know yet for anything you're looking for. And so that was our foray into that, and Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz were really the, the first um, directions of that. And so now it's a full-fledged social network in its own right, and people really use the product in a different way. And so the LTV of Bumble is significantly different than the other products on the market because there's inherent churn with a dating product. You do your job, you lose your user. But what we've seen now through thoughtful product integrations from our team is, you know, we, you can hide dating mode. So if you're in a relationship, but you want to use Bumble to find a new girlfriend or a friend to go do something or a new business contact, you can simply deactivate the dating side and we hold you accountable back to our values where it timestamps the day you hit dating mode. So there's accountability in your relationship. And so that's the beauty of this is that you don't have to be exclusive to our product in one direction or another. Bumble continued to grow in all sorts of ways. Its dating subscriptions grew to the tune of generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. These new features to promote networking and finding friends, they grew. But something else started happening. Yeah, society was starting to stand up to support women more. The Me Too movement saw a resurgence in 2017 and 2018 and Bumble supported the notion of men being held accountable. In fact, there was this time where one of its users, Ashley, had an encounter with someone on the app, Connor. Yeah, it's always a Connor, isn't it? <laughs> I know, or Chad or something, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just face it, but lots of names. Anyway, within the app, Ashley asked Connor about his day. Connor said, great, and asked Ashley about hers. She said, pretty slow day at work. What do you do? You know, making conversation. And Connor 
he went off on Ashley. He blasted her for only caring about his job and his salary. And I don't know, he it was honestly just very demeaning towards her. Yeah, Bumble caught wind of this and they were wondering what they could do. Ultimately, they had an idea. Here's Wolf Heard at the Elevate Tech Fest again. We said, you know what, actually no, let's use this as, an, as a moment. Let's write him a letter. Let's write an open letter, not to Connor, not just to Connor, but to every Connor out there. Anyone that might want to behave like Connor, anyone that might feel like that's cool or expected. And you have to also think about this moment in time. Digital connection, it was going rampant in the abusive direction. And Bumble has been this incredible catalyst to kind of reverse engineer that. But so that was the thinking around Connor and that we had been told by several people, you cannot do this. Our firm will not represent you anymore, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever. They just did it. They wrote a letter to Connor. And, you know, not just that Connor, but all the Connors out there. <laughs> do do we we have the letter? It, we do. We do. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to read it right here. So here it goes. It's been brought to our attention that you lost your cool on one of our female users, Ashley. She made small talk. You felt personally attacked. She mentioned her workday and asked about yours. You assumed she was prying into your financial status. Given we're all working women ourselves, we're going to venture a guess into Ashley's intentions here. Take a seat, Connor, because this concept may blow your mind. Women nowadays work. It's happened gradually, we know, but the majority of women from our generation have jobs. With that in mind, and knowing that Ashley simply mentioned work in the conversation, we can infer that she wasn't hoping to figure out if your wallet was sizable enough for her to move into your house and start cooking dinner for you. Instead, Ashley was, Wait for it, Connor, because this is where things get really interesting, viewing herself as your equal. It might sound crazy, but people connect over the basic routines of life. You know, things like weather, working out, grabbing a drink, eating, and working. While you may view this as a neoliberal Beyonce feminist cancer and rant about the personal wounds you've sustained from, quote, entitled gold-digging whores, end quote, we're going to keep working. We're going to expand our reach. We're going to make sure that women everywhere receive the message that they're just as empowered in their personal lives as they are in the workplace. We're going to continue to build a world that makes small-minded, misogynistic boys like you outdated. We're hoping one day you come around. We hope the hate and resentment welling up inside of you will subside and you'll be able to engage in everyday conversations with women without being afraid of their power to the extent you feel the need to lash out at them. But until that day comes, Connor, consider yourself blocked from Bumble. Never yours, the Bumble Hive. All right, that's, that's quite a letter. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. And and I think it's a testament to what Wolford said before. Bumble is a lifestyle brand, and that brand stands for women. Empowering women, standing up for women, and this is just one example. More on Bumble's story after one more quick break. Okay, before the break, we learned about Bumble's launch and rise. And the stand they take for women, even if it meant writing an open letter to all of the Connors in the world. But then, in spring 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic struck. And like most businesses, Bumble was affected by the pandemic. But not in the way you might think. Some businesses were negatively impacted by the pandemic. In Bumble's case, they actually grew. Because people, they needed connection. During the early days of lockdown, yeah, it's it's true that people weren't going out on dates as much, at least not in person, but virtually, it was actually a different story. People were still swiping and connecting and 
having video chat dates. That's actually still a thing now. Some people prefer getting to know somebody over video before they connect in person. In an early 2021, Bumble's business reached a pinnacle of sorts. It announced its plans to IPO. And in February 11th, 2021, it did just that. Here's CBS Morning News talking about the event. This morning, Bumble launches its initial public offering on the Nasdaq Stock Exchange. The platform has 42 million active users. Today's IPO could bring the company a valuation of up to 8 billion, that's with a B, dollars. It will make Bumble's founder, Whitney Wolf Hurd is her name, the youngest female CEO of a public company right now. How old is Whitney Wolf Hurd? She's 31. Just 31 years old, she took Bumble public. Let's go back to that CBS Morning News segment. Today is a, a remarkable day for me in the sense that, you know, there was a time that I thought my career was over in 2014. And if I can sit in this seat today, uh, it just goes to show that anything is possible and anybody can rebuild themselves uh, just starting over, taking that first step, making the first move, and they can reinvent themselves uh, when they go through hardship. To say that Wolf Heard bounced back is an incredible understatement, but that day, it was a huge day for Wolf Heard. She actually talked about it a bit at the Forbes 30 Under 30 Summit, talking specifically about being the youngest woman CEO taking her company public and having her baby in hand while ringing the NASDAQ bell. It was a crazy day, right? That wasn't just about arriving at an IPO. It was years and years and years of work with so many incredible team members, some that were no longer with us and some that had just joined us, but it was this crazy labor of love. And the image was incredible for a few reasons. And then it was a bit disheartening for a few other reasons. I would say, you know, there was this huge celebration about being the youngest, which Katrina Lake went right before me and she's remarkable. I'm her biggest fangirl. But it's crazy to think how many men had taken a company public in their 20s or very early 30s and it's just like status quo. And for a woman, that was such a novel image or such a crazy idea. So, you know, there was a bit of tug of war with it, but it was nonetheless a crazy day. And I actually don't even really remember it because it was so surreal. And now what? Now that the company's public, how do things change? Do they change? Going back to that Forbes 30 Under 30 segment, Wolf Heard talks about life after IPO and whether she's now, you know, obsessed with stock prices or, or if she even thinks about the business differently. I'm not obsessed with the stock. I'm obsessed with our customer. I'm obsessed with the team. I'm obsessed with the innovation that we're, you know, planning for the future. We, it's business as usual, right? Obviously, there's lots of um, new guidelines and frameworks you have to follow and you have to be prepared for earnings and so on and so forth. But we run a really uh, good business. And so we're thinking decades, not days. And we're really, you know, really focused on the long term. And I think that that's a good lesson for anybody in the audience, even if you're not going public, right? If you're raising money or you're, you know, trying to get to that next milestone, not optimizing for these short-term daily wins and really just thinking big picture and staying so married to that long-term vision uh, because stocks go up and down, right? Just like all of us have ups and downs in our days. So as a public company CEO who's not obsessed with the stock price, and maybe it's because as she's learned, sometimes the strangest things can happen when you are obsessed with stock price. Like, well, early on, Bumble had actually a great earnings call. There was above expectations. It was really, really positive. No, oh, well, that's always good. Yeah, except the stock price 
actually went down. <laughs> Let's go back to that Forbes 30 under 30 summit. I went into that earnings call thinking that the stock market is a super rational place. <laughs> and I quickly realized that just don't try to rationalize in, in, this, in this place. It's an art, not a science. <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. Um, so that was really when I detached and said, you know, I'm just... This is never going to make sense to me. And the business is great. It's performing well. We are, you know, it's on me to set that tone with the team. And so, you know, on days where it's bright green and things are going great, those are the moments to actually remind the team, don't pay attention to this. Like ups, downs, everything in between. Let's just stay focused and chart the course. Sometimes the stock market will just do what it wants. Yes. Anyways, that pretty much brings us to today. And Bumble is still buzzing. It's an ultra popular app for connecting with people, whether it's for dating or now for other reasons too. Well, it's a great story. And next week, we'll be back with another product journey to talk through. Maybe it's a product failure. I don't know. So join us for that. For Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.